So welcome to The Expert Edge. Today, I am interviewing one of my really good friends, Julie Solomon. She is the creator of the Influencer Podcast, which is one of the OG, the original influencers. And she has built an incredible business, an amazing following, and she's just released her new book, which is called Get What You Want, How to Go From Unseen to Unstoppable. And in this episode, if you've ever felt like uh, the advice of, you know, just be yourself or just be confident in who you are has not really been that helpful, then I think this podcast is going to help to go deeper on that, how to really identify what the big beliefs that are sitting underneath the surface that are actually stopping you or getting in the way from you actually stepping into the full version of who you are. We really unpack her process of how to get what you want, how to move past the emotional, the mental, the physical blocks that you might be having in your life that have stopped you from getting the outcomes that you've wanted, maybe the amount of money that you've made, maybe uh, the relationship you want in your life, maybe the type of happiness and fulfillment. And really, this conversation, I think, is helpful if you are ready to stop kind of letting the excuses get in the way of the type of life that you want to live. And so I trust and I hope you'll enjoy this amazing interview that I've done with uh, Julie Solomon. And if you are really wanting to go to the next level, make sure you grab her book, which is Get What You Want, How to Go From Unseen to Unstoppable. I'll put the links uh, in the show notes, but you can grab that on Amazon, on you know Barnes & Noble, on anywhere that good books are sold. Uh, you can grab it there. So let's get into the interview with Julie Solomon. You are listening to the Expert Edge podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. Julie Solomon, welcome to the Expert Edge. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. I love you. I know. This is round two. Now, round two is happening because you're currently working on an amazing project, which by the when the time of this release will be out, people will be able to get access to it. So why don't you give people some context around this big thing you've been working on and wanting to release to the world? Yes, this big thing. If you're if you're watching this video, you're gonna see it right here. If not, I'm holding a book that I actually wrote. Um, so this is what we're talking about. My book, Get What You Want, How to Go from Unseen to Unstoppable is now available and out in the world. And it's been an, an over three-year journey of getting here. So this is going to be a fun conversation today. So good. Now, Get What You Want, um, This, where did that idea come from? Because I know that a lot of the listeners would probably want to write their own book. Many of us are experts, coaches, speakers, et cetera. And having a book is really key in terms of positioning in the market. It's not essential, but, it's, but it gives you a really good boost when you've got it. But I always, I'm always fascinated on like where the origin of that, that phraseology or the angle of the book came out of. Where was that birthed? Give us the background. Yeah. So when I was thinking about, you know, the book that I wanted to write, this idea of what, what's possible, possibility kept coming up for me. And really, it, you know, and as I kind of started to dive in deeper to that, to what was possible for me, I really started to think about you know, there was a really long time, Colin, that I didn't have what I wanted. I didn't think that getting what I wanted was possible. 
I didn't think that I would have the confidence, the clarity, the know-how, the tools. I would, I would know the right people that could support me in really getting there. And so, and so now that I'm to the other side of that, and there's been a lot of to things in my life professionally and personally that I have been able to get what I want, I wanted to really advocate for that idea. Mm. Um, and to really think about that of, you know, a lot of people don't think they know what they want because usually you can't get what you want until you know what you want. But actually a lot of us know what we want because we know what we don't want. And so mm. really kind of stemming from that idea of, of what is it that I don't want. And so when I started to kind of peel that back, that's when I, um, really started to, to unlock some things about really what kept me stuck for a very long time. And it's what I call you know, my origin story in the book. And I think we, we all have an origin story, which is, mm. you know, it's this story that we tell ourselves that come from our upbringing, our childhood, our belief systems, um, you know, any kind of maybe religious affiliations that we may or may not be a part of. It's just society norms, what we think is norms, all of these things really start to shape this story that we came from and, and they start to shape what we believe is actually possible in our lives. And so that really kind of kicked off the, the foundation of this book and why I call it, get what you want. Hmm. Now you, you've gone through many evolutions in your life uh, with growing your business. You've built a, you know, beyond seven figure business in the expert industry, which is not a small feat. Um, so I'm assuming that you've gone through many evolutions of, of working out what do I actually want? What don't I want? Um, but I'm curious through this process in writing this book and diving deep, where did learning the idea of like, you can't get what you want initially, like, where did that, where did you learn that personally? Yeah, it was my origin story of kind of growing up in, in with a very scarcity mindset. I grew up when I was young, I, I had, we didn't have a lot of money. My parents, when they were married at the time, they both did not go to college. My dad literally wore a blue collar to work every day. He worked at an, <laughs> at an auto manufacturing plant. Yeah. The and, definition. You know, <laughs> literally the definition of blue collar. I come from a very, very small town in Tennessee and you know, my dad grew up in extreme poverty growing up. Mm. I mean, my grandparents didn't even have, they were, both were completely illiterate. Um, my grandmother never saw the ocean in person. She never traveled. My grandfather had to leave school in second grade to start to support his family. Um, and, you know, I remember being a little girl and walking out of their shack to the outhouse to go to the bathroom because they could not afford indoor plumbing or heat or electricity. And so it was, and this was not like 1947, <laughs> like I'm 37 years old. This was, this is the, the mid nineties. And so just kind of being around that and, you know, remembering things like my parents being stressed out because they literally lived paycheck to paycheck. They didn't know how they were going to pay bills sometimes. And, you know, and there's a lot of other elements into that dynamic of, you know, alcoholism and, you know, um, the, the lack of their own ability to see possibility and just a lot of other kind of traumatic and addictive patterns that can happen in a home that um, make you believe that this is, this is normal. This is what life is. And because we didn't have a lot of money, there was no conversation about savings or 401ks or IR. Like, I didn't know what any of that was. I didn't, it was like a foreign language to me. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until 
my parents divorced. My mom and I moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and my brother and my mom remarried a man who was the antithesis of that. And he had more money than I ever even knew was possible. And, you know, because he's such an incredible human being, he really supported me. He, they put me in a private school so I could start to get an education that was different from what I had. And I just started to kind of, it was like this dichotomy of like one side of me was completely in awe of this new life of, you know, ultra wealth and people that had ice makers in their homes and TVs in their cars and just beach houses. Like it was just the, the was essentials. A, they had the essentials. Right. The essentials, right? <laughs> and it, I was like, I didn't even know that any of that existed. And so yeah. in some ways it gave me this gift of like, wow, like this is possible in life. But then in other ways it gave me the shame around like, but Julie, you don't belong here. Hmm. You're from the, the, the wrong side of the tracks. You're from yeah. that small town. You don't, this isn't your money. This isn't your privilege. This isn't your wealth. These, these aren't your people. And so it was like, I never really felt, even though I was given the privilege of, of being, you know, kind of being rewarded from the, the fruits of his labor, yeah. I still had this mindset of I'm not enough. I can't make enough you know, hmm. making money is scarce. It has to be hard. It has to be challenging. And if I made money, I, I had shame around it because I didn't hmm. think that I was worthy of it and that I deserved it. Hmm. This is so true because I think that, um, you know, I know even for me in my journey growing up, uh, as we've hit different levels in our business, you, it, it, you really come up against these like visceral beliefs and it, whether it comes out in shame or comes out in you start sabotaging your success, mm -hmm. you, you basically like doing these things to get back to like what you think about yourself at your core. Mm -hmm. um, and I know it sounds like, you know, you got access to, you know, a, an abundance at a certain age. But a lot of the time when we know from psychology that, the, that your beliefs are really formed from zero to seven. And, right. and then you're kind of like trying to reprogram, doing the, the hard work to reprogram after that. So I'm curious, what have been some barriers that you've hit personally in your journey that you brought out and discovered in your book that you've been able to work through? And how did you work through those? Because I, I, I can guarantee the listeners would be going, wow, there are things that I'm coming up against that I don't feel worthy of. Mm -hmm. what's kind of the process that you start to take people through in this methodology? Talk to that. Yeah. And I think this is a great question because it also, you're never done. And so I've actually, <laughs> yes. there's even been things that have been coming up now what? in real time. Now that I'm like talking about this book and I'm like, wait a second, you're supposed to stay in those pages. Like I thought I got to the other side of this, but sometimes it rears its ugly head. So for me in the, in the early stages, I, I, I never learned and I never learned about savings, investing, really how to manage money. Um, mm -hmm. I talk about it in the book, how I felt like this financial, financial toddler for a very long time. And mm -hmm. I always thought that like, because of my society upbringing as well, the man, whoever the man was, was going to mm -hmm. take care of that. So, you know, my husband, my fairy, you know, God dad was going to like come down from the sky and just handle that. And I could keep my head in the sand. So a lot of my habits kind of manifested my origin story and my beliefs were in scarcity manifested through spending. And I've talked to a lot of women about this, that a lot of times if women 
they start to make a lot of money, they do one of two things. They either take it and like hoard it and put it in a shoebox underneath the bed and like just save it because they don't yeah, know what to do like with it. They're scared of it. They're scared of it or they spend it faster than they can make it. And it's mm. just like, oh, I'm here. I'm not worthy of it. Boom. And so my thing was the spending. And, and as my way of trying to just feel worthy and connect, I started to rack up a credit card, did not tell my husband. Two years later, I had racked up over $30,000 of credit card debt that he did not know about. He found out and I got this call from my husband, like, when the crap were you going to tell me about this credit card? And I'm like, no, you know, my, like my delusion and my denial and all of that kind of came crashing down. And I really hit this this, this rock bottom of why am I so afraid to be honest about money? Mm. Why am I so afraid of money? I've got to figure this out. And so that rock bottom moment is actually what allowed me to grow the business that I have now, because mm. there was only one way to go. And I didn't want to feel that anymore. I didn't want to feel like a fraud or that I was lying from my husband, which is, I never wanted to do, but I had gotten myself in that place. And the tools that helped me were, you know, lots of therapy, lots of reading books, lots of coaching, really getting to the root of that origin story that I talked about and to get to the other side of that. And then it was about really getting honest about what challenges did I have? You know, if I did not know how to manage money, I need to figure that out. And even if I'm not going to be the best at it, I need to understand it conceptually. And I need to know where my strengths are and where my defects are and how I can get support in that way. And, um, and even recently, you know, it's reared its ugly head and Colin, I know you and I have known each other for a while. We've been in masterminds together. I know I can speak candid with you, but the days of, you know, me running Facebook ads and, you know, giving Facebook a dollar and they give me $4 back and I can just sit back in my happy little funnel automation world, at least for today, like gone are those days. Mm -hmm. And so I can't keep, looking at that strategy or at ad spend in that way. If I do, I'm just, I'm going to end up spending too much money. And so that's when I have to catch myself and say, Julie, you, you have to be aware of what's going on right now. You can't put your head in the sand. Yes. It may be confusing. Yes. You can't figure it out. I know you want to control the outcome, but you need to take a beat and really reassess what's going on here. And so for me, it's, it's never done. You know, I'm, I, mm. I don't wake up and I'm like, I'm the best at, you know, financial literacy and I understand it all. And I'm so great. Yeah. It's like, no, I still have to face those upper limits. And those for me that the, the go-to is always the denial of like, oh, I, I can figure it out. It'll be fine. I'll figure it out without, you know, having that balance of, yes, it's great to be relentless and, and assertive to some degree as an entrepreneur and leader, but you also have to be realistic with what's going on. Mm. And so I think that that's been, you know, the biggest kind of balance for me and some of the tools that I've had to learn with that. And, and to me, it's, it's the more aware that you can be of who you really are, the more that you can accept that. And then you can start taking action from that real place. What does that look like to be aware of, of who you really are and what's going on in your life? Yeah, to me, awareness is just seeing the reality of the situation as it is. Um, acceptance mm. is then accepting it as it is and not what you wish it could be. So the acceptance takes kind of the delusion and the denial and the control out of the way. But the awareness is just like, I am aware that, and I'll just use Facebook ads as an example, because I was talking about, I'm aware that the ad game has changed. I'm aware of that. 
Now, do I want to accept that or not? Because <laughs> the delusion may say, I'm not going to accept that. But the acceptance is like, yeah, I am aware that this has changed. I'm now going to accept that I may need to, to test some different things out and learn some new things. And then I can take action from that place. So what awareness does for me, I think about when, when I am not in a state of awareness, it's like I'm frozen and awareness thaws me out. And it allows me to feel through and think through things in a really clear way. Awareness gives me clarity. Mm. What do you think stops people becoming aware? From my own experience, I think that it is, whether we consciously realize it or not, it's this delusion or denial that we think we know best or that we can mm. kind of force or control some outcome or, or fear. Mm. We, don't want, we don't want to see it. You know, we really don't want to see sometimes what is standing right in front of our faces. Mm. Yeah, I would say for me, it's definitely fear a lot of the time. Like you kind of know that something's a problem and mm -hmm. you have like this fear of not wanting to look at it, especially like mm -hmm. financial stuff and things like that. Yeah. I know for me, you know, we've had different, I've, I've been running our business for 13 years and we've had different seasons in our life where I remember, you know, there was a significant amount of money that we owed different, like different people that we're doing partnerships with. Yes. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, if I give all that away, we'll have like almost nothing left. Right. And, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is just crazy. And then, but I was so scared to look at it. But when we looked at it, we put it in a spreadsheet, we got like really clear on it. And then we actually got that awareness of it, which we'll get into your three tools to freedom. Um, I kind of went through that process that you outlined and then we got really clear on what we needed to do. And then literally within like a couple of months, we'd turn the whole situation around. But it, exactly. it, it, it was so scary, like looking yeah. at it. My yeah. gosh. So, so talk about this, this three tools to freedom, like you, the three A's that you kind of go through and, and how that process works. Yeah. So the three A's and I always preface this, but I didn't create these. These are very well known in therapy circles. They're very well known in 12 step circles. So if anyone has ever been a part of that, they've probably heard of them, nice. but they are awareness, acceptance, and action. And to me that, and, and, you know, kind of reiterating on what I said earlier, those are the, the first step is always awareness. It's the key to, I think any kind of recovery process and like recovering from fear or your origin story or whatever that is, is no different. Mm -hmm. And so really being aware of where you are, what is happening, what is going on in that moment as it is nothing more, nothing less. And then from that state of awareness, you can move into accepting that, which is usually the hardest thing mm -hmm. people can become aware, but accepting it, they, a lot of times people just want to say awareness, great action. Where it's like, but no, you have to really accept like, what was my, and we'll just talk about what you just said. And, you know, I've been there too, of like, what was my part to play in this? Mm. What was my part to play in being in a situation where if I pay the people that I owe money to, I'm going to be in a deficit here. What mm. was my part to play? And can I be an acceptance of that? Because if I can be an acceptance of that, then I can learn from it grow from it and take the right action to not be in this place again in the future. Mm. And so the acceptance piece to the three A's is vital. And, um, yeah, cause and you can't learn, you can't learn from it unless you accept it. Exactly. It's kind of like brushed off if you don't right. really sit with it and, and like take it in. What one thing that came up for me as you were talking about that was, uh, the idea of like when people go, Oh, I'm, you know, they say things like, I run a seven figure business and they actually earn $20,000 in their expert business, which is totally fine. 
but it's more like people do, are in this delusion that it's mm-hmm. like, oh no, you're actually acting in a way. You need to accept the fact that you are acting as a $20,000 business owner right now, not a seven-figure business owner. Yeah. And when you accept that, it's only from that place that you can take the correct actions to build what you actually want. Yes. And, and I think the acceptance also allows you to see where that can be a strength for you and where that can be a challenge. And a great example of this is Adam Newman, who was the founder of WeWork. I have been watching, I watched the documentary and then I've been watching the series We Crashed on mm. Apple. And his story of how you know, he was able to get all of these investors to invest billions of dollars in their company, but they were spending, you know, yay, we, we made 1.8 billion, you know, this year. Yeah, but you spent 1.9. <laughs> so wow. I haven't even worth. looked at that, that story yet. I, I want to. Fascinating. <laughs> I highly recommend it. And it, it, it's just a great example because in some ways his relentlessness to just go mm. is what made the vision so powerful. It's what made these, you know, it's what made SoftBank, which is one of the biggest investment banks in the entire world, give him $4 billion. I mean, there's a <laughs> lot of Jeez. incredible momentum and power mm. that can come with that relentless vision, but there's also a lot of delusion that can mm. come from that relentless vision. And so my judgment, <laughs> if I can be judgmental right mm. now of Adam Newman was that, he did not want to accept that his vision for wanting to expand as quickly as he desired was not probably realistically the best thing for the bottom line. He just, he mm. didn't want to hear it. He, he's not, he wasn't having it and he was just go. So there was, there was awareness that he was overspending, mm. but there wasn't an acceptance of how detrimental that was going to be for the company. And then, you know, we all now know that he got ousted out and got a very nice paycheck when he got ousted out, but you know, they essentially weren't, I mean, they went from being mm. worth like $20 million to being worth like one in, in mm. a matter of a week. So I think just that idea of the acceptance and how key that is, and, and really kind of going back to what you were talking about with your initial fear, that once you were able to accept that moment, you were able to look at the spreadsheet and really get <laughs> organized and really get clear about like, okay, we got ourselves here. Now, how are we going to get ourselves out of it? And I think that that's something that we all have to remember, especially as leaders and entrepreneurs, that at the end of the day, we're all pretty amazing, incredibly smart, savvy, creative disruptors mm. that can quickly pivot. I mean, our whole entire mm. business is constantly pivoting and yes. trying to stay at the tip <laughs> of the arrow. So we have a lot more strengths than I think that we give credit for. It's when that fear gets in the way that we can mm. start to get a little unraveled. Yeah, and I think for most people, it's actually, you know, it's it's not the situation of we work. They're actually more on the other side of they're holding themselves back. Exactly. You know, a lot of the times, like, you know, and I don't know the whole story, but a lot of the time the, there's like a real narcissism to someone who just goes without looking at all at the reality or the damage that they're doing at all. And right. I think for most people in our communities, like they're not, that's not how they think. They Their concern is actually that they've got too much fear that's holding them back. Right. right. Now, right. One- but both are equally detrimental. Yes, Cause, yes, cause so both true. Because both don't get you what you want. So true. Now, you, you've, your background's in publicity. Uh, you've had a lot of success in that space. Uh, and um, I know a big focus of the book is about really being your own publicist and getting visibility. And I think that that is a, a massive topic that people you know, need to look into. And it also brings up a lot of stuff in you when you get more visibility. So Talk to us about like this whole, like being your own publicist piece and, and what, you know, some ideas around what that could look like. 
Yeah. And I, I first want to recommend to any of your listeners who haven't seen, who haven't listened to the first podcast episode that we did to go back and listen to, to when I was on here, I think it was last year. Cause yeah. we talked a lot about how to pitch yourselves, how to really mm. position yourself to work. I'll with put friends. that in the show notes. I'll make sure yeah. it's in the show notes. So yep. Go back. And I would recommend anyone that hasn't listened to that episode to go back and listen to that. And then to kind of, cause that's going to, that's a lot of details, but to, to jump off of that, I, I think that the visibility the, the importance of really being your own publicist and the foundation that that can lay for visibility is vital. If you are someone who, you know, and I, I, I talk about this a lot that, you know, there's always this stage when you're growing your business, that you're in the trenches and you're white knuckling it, you're figuring out the foundations and the offer and the scalability. And, but once you get to a place that you're like, okay, <laughs> I can breathe a little bit, you know, we hit some good financial, you know, profit goals. I've got a team of supporters what's next for me? This is where the, the idea of BYOP, of being your own publicist is vital because if you are anyone who wants to speak on a stage, if you are anyone who wants to write a book in the future, if you are anyone who really wants to be seen or heard as if they think about your industry or your niche, they think about you. You have to be able to have that, that publicity and that visibility foundation in place in order to really make those larger opportunities and deals happen. And um, I know that if it wouldn't have been from, from my years of really making sure to try as best as I could to be my own publicist and to market myself and to create a podcast so I could use that as a great platform mm. and all of the things that I had done, I wouldn't have gotten a book deal. Um, and that's just, that's just the way that it is. If you want to get a book deal with what they call one of the big five, you know, the Harper Collins and Simon, Simon and Schuster, et cetera, of the world, they're going to ask you, what's your email list? How many followers do you have on social media? Do you have a YouTube channel or a podcast or some kind of way that you are consistently creating content that can kind of be seen as like a top of funnel driver into something else? They really want to see some of those key marketing and, and what I would call PR components. I mean, that really is the way of, of modern day media and being able to attract media and get media for yourself. And, and so for anyone that's listening to this, that maybe they haven't made the time yet to really think about that, or maybe they didn't think that it was that big of, you know, of a goal or, or that big of a deal. I would ask yourself, if you are someone who is wanting to really utilize your yourself as your brand, as you grow, it, it is something that you'll definitely want to consider and start putting some work towards. Mm, yeah. Cause it's fascinating with like PR and, and you know, that, that's a, that type of space. Like sometimes there's not a direct return on investment, but there's, a, there's a, there's an ongoing return on investment from credibility, believability. And I think that with so much, you know, so many people in the marketplace now, uh, like having that can really make a big difference. Uh, so love that. Now, uh, one of the things you were talking about in, in the book was around like amplifying your possibilities and really like stepping into all that you are. Talk to us about the process of what that means, thinking wise, action wise, like where did that come from? Yeah. So I, I think that that idea of what's possible, and I shared a little earlier that, you know, with every next level that you get to, you're going to see and experience, whether that's through, you know, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, whatever it is, you're going to see a next level of possibility. Mm. And I, I just think about that as like, you know, if I go to a conference and I, there's a, someone on stage and they start speaking and I start to connect with them, I'm going to start to realize, wow, 
that is possible. And if that is something that I want to do, if I want to kind of, if I want to be able to make an impact in that way or share my story in that way or message in that way, or even sell from stage, as you know about in that way, (laughs) I'm, you know, I'm going to be connected to that and I'm going to want to believe in what's possible. And so that's the idea of, I think that a lot of times we don't know what we don't know. But when we're met with this idea of what's possible for us in this next level, it also comes with a next level of mindset and you truly believing that. And, you know, there's that that idea of the be, do, have versus the have, do, be that, you know, if you think that you have to have something before you can become what you want, it's going to be a lot harder for you to really achieve that. But by believing in what's possible, that really does allow you to become the person that you want to be in the future today. What do they think about? What, you know, how do they work? Who do they work with? What are they working on? How do they use their time? Really all of those things and stepping into that possibility so it's less ethereal and it's more tangible. That's what actually makes it a reality. And, um, and I think that that's, that's the key with that and really giving yourself bigger what ifs. And I talk about that in the book, you know. What if we gave ourselves bigger what ifs? What would happen? You know, what lives could we change? What kind of impact could we make if we really came from that place? And, um, and a question that I love to use, and this is with being my own publicist, with negotiating anything, with anything that I want, um, a question that has always served me well is, what do we need to do to make this happen? And you can ask yourself that <laughs> you can ask somebody that you want to work with that. I mean, it's, it, it's really that simple that if you were wanting to step into a new possibility and to get what you want, what do you need to do to make that happen? Mm. Well, I think it's so powerful because even though that's an obvious question, I, I think most people don't face the reality of that. Mm-hmm. Cause I, what came up for me was I remember the first time that I, you know, I wanted to run a, a six figure webinar and I was like, and at the time, I think we were doing like $30,000 webinars. And I asked myself that question, what would I need to do to run a six-figure webinar? And it's like I faced the reality of I was only playing at a certain level. And then when I got clear on that and took the actions, then we um, we went well beyond it on that first time. But what was cool was like facing the reality of really what it takes. You know, like what level do I need to roll up my sleeves at to, to show up? to create that result. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I love this. What I'm hearing as well is kind of like there is a balance. There's this balance of going, okay, I need to face what's really going on in my world, what's really stopping me, what my real resistances are, my origin story. And then I also need to lean into the possibility of, of bigger questions, bigger thinking and act in that way. Um, like how do you see that balance working and what kind of has been your journey with writing this book with that? Yeah, you know, I think that with with that idea and the journey that I'm even seeing with this is that with any level of expansion, any level of of, of next next level impact, next phase impact, it is going to come with a full on identity crisis. Mm, so and true. <laughs> for us to think that that is not like again, I've I've brought up this word a lot today, highly delusional. So. I think it comes from that idea of just being aware that, you know, if it was that easy just to kind of expand into the absolute version of yourself, then we would all be doing it. And this podcast wouldn't exist and my book wouldn't exist and everyone would be fine. We wouldn't need it. But we wouldn't need it. <laughs> but we clearly know that that's not the case. And so I think that really coming from this place of, and you touched on this, really sinking into the reality of what kind of game am I going to need to play here? 
And am I really ready to do this? Do I really want this? Do I really want, when I say like, get what I want and I, and I'm able to identify that. And if you don't think you know what you want, then focus on what you don't want. And that's going to tell you what you do mm. want. But when you get so clear true. on that, you know, am I really to, to, to be the absolute best at this? Am I really ready to step up and to, sh- and to show the world and to show myself that I want to do this, that I'm ready for this next level of expansion. And can I, can I continue on the path and not, freak my, my fear out and freak myself out knowing that it's going to come with an identity crisis. I'm going to have to, in some ways, kill off these versions of myself that are no longer serving me. These thoughts, these beliefs, these, you know, um, the people that you may work with, whatever that may be. And, you know, we hear about that a lot. A lot of the people that you start with usually aren't a lot of the people that you end with and everyone has kind of their place. But I think that also goes with your mindset and your belief systems and your own, your own belief in what you think is possible for yourself. Mm, I love this. Well, I'm really excited about the book coming out. Uh, and if someone's listening to this and you could be really clear in terms of like, this is who I wrote the book for, mm-hmm. you know, this is the person it's not going to be for everyone, but it's like, this is the person, this is what they're going through. This is who I wrote the book for. What, what, like, how would you describe that person? Yeah, if if you are someone who it's it's kind of a twofold. If you are someone who's like, I don't know what I what I want, or I thought I knew what I wanted, and you know now my world has crashed down, and I have no idea who I am. Mm. This is going to be a great book for you because it's going to allow you to get clear on what's holding you back. It's going to allow you to step into newfound confidence. It's going to allow you to start to set and stick to some boundaries that you probably need, that we all probably need. I talk a lot about boundaries in the book as well, and then it's going to you know, kick you off with success. I talk a lot about pitching yourself and marketing yourself Mm. and, you know, how to really build the right kind of people and making sure that you're connected to the right people that, that are going to be able to support you and uplift that next level of impact that you want to make. And then I think that if it's, if there are people listening that it's like, I've already got what I want, you know, I, I feel good about that and I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. There's still going to be upper limits that you hit because we all hit those. And I think that that is a really good indication. And I share a lot of those things in the book of like, just when I thought that everything was going great, like then this hits and like, I'm yeah. here I am again. Like, why does this thing keep coming back? Hmm. And so I think that it's great for anyone who, even if you have a seven figure business and you, you have a happy marriage or whatever those things are that you want, if there is that thing, you know, that, that little tinge, that feeling, that resistance, that one annoying thing that just kind of keeps rearing its ugly head at you. This will be a really good book to help you get to the other side of it. Because what this book not only does is, you know, it helps you align your goals with your actions, which are important, but it also really roots you into, to your own self-worthiness and really believing that you have the power within you to make anything that you want in your life happen. And that's why I wanted to kind of put some of those deeper, the, you know, the deeper kind of topics in there, because I would read a lot of, you know, personal development books and they would make me feel really good about here's my goal. And here's the belief system that I need to have to reach that goal. But they wouldn't always make me, they wouldn't always leave me feeling better about myself. Sometimes I would feel more overwhelmed or like I wasn't doing enough or, you know, whatever that may be, whatever my limiting belief was. And so I really wanted to align a lot of the, the worthiness so we can get out of that cycle of helplessness or power, powerlessness and, and into a state of really uh, aligned empowerment for our own mm-hmm. lives. 
Yeah, beautiful. Now we'll we will connect the book up in the show notes, but could you Thank talk you. to talk to share with the listeners exactly kind of where they can grab the book um the time of the release of this podcast? Yes. So you can get this book wherever books are sold, wherever you love to buy a book. You can also go to juliesolomon.net slash get what you want. And um, we've got some fun bonuses and giveaways mm. happening there if you if you decide to purchase the book on that on that end. And then of course, over on the influencer podcast is where you can find me yapping away every single week. And, um, I tend to hang out a lot on Instagram. So you can find me over there at Jules, J U L S Solomon, S O L O M O N. Jules. Do people call you Jules? They do. And and actually it's people that only know me like from social media. If I'm out somewhere and someone is a podcast, they're like Jules. And I'm like, Oh wait, who's that? Oh yeah. That's That's me. Hey, Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Cause in Australia, like every, everyone called Julie would be Jules. Right. And so it's like a real shortened thing. So, but I'm coming to America. I've always said people's whole name. So (laughs) that's why I, (laughs) that's why I brought it up. Mm -hmm. Julie, I'm, I'm really excited about your next level. I'm excited about the next possibilities for you and your journey. And I know that this book represents that and it's going to help a lot of people to, uh, you know, face some of the challenges that they've been coming up against and, and actually get clear on what they really want to break through the next level. And so uh, guys, make sure to go out and grab the book. Uh, the link will be in the show notes and it's always a pleasure having you on the show, Julie. Yeah, uh, and we'll talk you. to you really soon. Thank you. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.